0: go into the night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM
1: All right the sun continues to shine as we head towards the Of the 42nd Players' Championship, number 42 from the stadium course at Sawgrass. Of course, the tournament got underway back in 1974 in Atlanta. Jack Nicklaus won $50,000 back in 1974. That's not the case. Beginning tomorrow morning, in the next four days, they'll play for $25 million, including the winner will bring home a cool $4.5 million. A year ago, Cameron Smith won it. It was a very long process, all the delays on Thursday, the continuous delays on Friday. As I just talked with Frank Hayes and Lauren, they wrapped up day one finally, some 55-plus hours later on Saturday, continued the second round, went through Sunday, and of course the tournament wrapped up on a Monday. An interesting scenario from a year ago. Five of the top 10 players on the leaderboard in 2022 are not here. Cameron Smith, he lives where we're at, right here in Ponte Vedra, part of the Live Tour. Uh, Inabar Lahari, not here. As a matter of fact, Lahari was your leader on moving day. Going into the final round of the Players' Championship, he held a one-stroke lead over both Paul Casey and Sam Burns, along with uh, Doug Gim as well. Uh, the other three at minus eight, uh, he was one-stroke better at nine under par. He's not around. Paul Casey? Guy who's cast so many checks, right? Never won a major, but really one of the good guys. I've interviewed Paul Casey several times over the years here in Ponte Vedra. He's not around. Harold Varner the third is no longer here. And then DJ, who had a 63 on Sunday, it was the best final score of the Players Championship. And I guess I should say Sunday slash Monday. Um, of course, he has taken the money. And he has moved ahead as well. So, what do you make of it? I mean, today, I thought, was a fairly normal Wednesday, okay? If anything, I thought there were fewer people here than in years past. And, you know, I've been here from 97 until after, you know, 97, 98, 99, when Elkington won, Leonard won, and then David Duval won, which to this day is my all-time favorite Uh, players championship just to have the berries to go for the stick with that Sunday pin placement on 17 and to actually drop the putt or drop the ball the golf ball to the right of the stick and then make the birdie putt was uh was a thrill uh for me and you know there's been some very good moments since but how do you feel knowing that you're going to come here tomorrow? And we certainly want you to come here tomorrow and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I mean, I'm selling the event, but you don't have Cameron Smith here. You don't have Phil Mickelson here. You don't have DJ here. You don't have Brooks Kepka here. You don't have Bryson DeChambeau here. A guy like me likes a villain, likes a bad guy. Patty Reed is not here. Sergio Garcia always plays this golf course well. He's not here. Are you okay with it? Does it matter? Is it, is it the event? I mean, you could dress up any two teams in America. Okay, what are the two bottom feeders in the NFL? Just give me two teams. You may say Cleveland against, um, heck, I don't know, whatever team is out of Los Angeles now in the NFC. I guess they just won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. How about Detroit? You could have a Cleveland-Detroit Super Bowl, and there's going to be no effect the eyeballs will be on the television set, okay? In baseball, World Series, well, healthy argument there. NBA championship, absolutely an argument there. When's the last time a team from from Canada actually won, um, you know, the Stanley Cup? That, that has been uh, a, a major talking point in the National Hockey League. And if you have Boston against Chicago or you have New York against Detroit, and I know Detroit – how the hell is Detroit in the East? How did they make that happen in the NHL? Anyway, you get my point. But if it's Vancouver, um, I don't know Toronto, Montreal—they got a little bit of love there to the original six. But ratings are going to uh, fall apart. All right. What about this event? Do they need the star power? Because frankly, you know, I'm looking for it. I listened to Scotty Scheffler today, ranked second in the world. Uh, kind of monotone, kind of just very drawn out, not a lot of excitement there. John Rom arguably the best golfer on this planet before he posted 76s on what Friday and Saturday for those who forget last week at Pay Hill. I mean, 18 holes worth. John Rom went around with a 65, then posted a 76 on a Friday. I think it was a 76 on Saturday and then a 72 on Sunday. So he's coming off three consecutive rounds of 70 or worse, and he was on par to, you know, bring out his fourth victory in what would have been 60-some-odd days. What he has done so far this year in the calendar year has been absolutely spectacular on the PGA Tour for John Rahm, although his driver at times uh, is sketchy, and, you know, that's a problem here. Uh, One thing I loved that Scott Scheffler said today, and I thought it made so much sense, is I love when people really try to dive deep into the analytics of describing one golf course from another. And I'm not nearly talented enough to figure that out. I love the game. I read about the game all the time. I, I live on the Golf Channel this time of year. But I've heard it many times before, and I heard it again today that this golf course is all about positioning, okay? Yeah, you've heard the cliches, you're going to use every club in your bag. Yeah, you better not miss fairways. Yeah, you better be successful with your GIRs as far as hitting greens and regulation. You better know how to scramble. You look at how, when you make your approach here, okay, whether it's, Lengthy par fives, which registered, as you would expect on the PGA Tour, as the top two easiest holes during the 2022 uh, event that we had here in Ponte Vedra. At times, long irons with your approach. Short irons, more than, what, about half of the holes that you're going to use or, or play here are going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 yards or, or – You know, shorter, which for these players is all about the wedge game. And it's about understanding these greens, where your approach is going to go, and the difference of, you know, let's say a six-foot putt and a 20-foot putt. That's what I believe happens on any one of these events throughout the PGA Tour. But they will tell you, they'll be very specific about it, that this particular golf course is all about Positioning. There's not one thing that you are expected to do overly well. On the flip side, if you do something that is the opposite of well, you're going to find yourself in a tremendous amount of trouble. Scotty Scheffler today uh, was asked, is this a thinking man's course?" Okay, and I thought his answer was brilliant. He came out and he said, no, I think it's anything but a thinking man's course. This golf course is based on one thing and one thing only. That is making great Shots, and I thought he's answered the question about as well as anyone could, and I've been to these press conferences for year after year after year, and you know it's very intriguing about you know great ball striking about you know the ability to uh get off a green by only putting twice and how three putts will will absolutely kill you, so just the feeling and the observation that the best players in the world have. It's not a standard answer. It's not a canned answer. It's different depending on what you actually do believe. I I said it earlier in the week, I'm going to tell it to you again, because I think tonight is probably your last opportunity, or it has to be your last opportunity, to make your picks for the next four days. All right, JJ LaSalva and yours truly, Rick Ballew. We're going to do that coming up a little bit later on. In the program, we are going to talk some Jaguars football with John Osher. Great day today with Calvin Wrigley. Not such a great day today with the release of Shaq Griffin, albeit it was totally expected. I will get there momentarily. Also, the Boston capper, who will bet on you know whether or not uh, a leave will blow over two times or three times when the wind blows, is going to give us his selections coming up as well at 720. Uh, but I... Again, I've been doing a lot of, um, uh, of reading and preparation for this event, as I do every year. It's, it's truly one of my favorite uh, times of, of the calendar year. I mean, I, I, what's there not to love about the Players' Championship? But I was blown away by this nugget. In the last 15 Players' Championships, okay, the last 15 winners, 13 of those 15 winners went out early tomorrow and went out late on Friday. So, you know, I, I I didn't do the research and look through each and every one of uh, of everything else that is going on as far as all of the other events that do happen throughout uh, the PGA Tour. But as far as this event is concerned, 13 of the last 15 early tee times on a Thursday followed up by a late tee time on a Friday. Just something to consider if, in fact, you are uh, placing bets or making wagers on the 2022 Players' Championship. All right, we got a lot to do here over the next couple of hours. Um, I want to get back to Scotty Shuffler for a moment because he was asked today by a reporter. Couldn't really understand the entire question. He, you know, it was, a, it was an international uh, reporter, and I didn't get the entire question, but the – the message basically was about Patrick Reed. And does the PGA Tour need villains? And I sat there with my arms folded and, and, and listened to Scheffler, who gave the answer that I thought he would. He said, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about rivalries, but no, I think there's enough great players out here that golf is fine. You don't need villains. Um, I disagree. I disagree. I do, and and I and I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm trying to say. I remember the first when I first started covering this event in '97, '98. I I remember one year on the hill on the par three third. You turn around, you have the range, right, or the practice grounds. Excuse me. Uh, Colin Montgomery missed. Hell, I don't remember if it was a birdie putt or a par putt. Okay, but it was on the par three third, and he missed it. He burnt the edge and part of the gallery went crazy. A couple of drunk locals or whatever. Oh, you and, know, and and, and and Colin Montgomery looked like the combination. He looked like either Bill Parcells or he looked like Mrs. Doubtfire. Colin got all fired up and turned around and said something to the fans and the fans yelled back. I, I don't I don't want that. I remember the Kevin Nye year. Remember all the all the waggles? For Kevin Knob, people were like, "Swing the club, swing it." You know, it took Kevin Knob was was stuttering over the ball. He he just could not, did not know how to, you know, to to perform his shot. It, it was a a mental scenario. By the way, there's another guy who's gone, and and he's on the live tour as well. So, I'm not advocating rude behavior, not at, at any event, but certainly not at a golf event. It, it is the what consummate. Gentleman sport, but we're hearing more and more and more, the deal on Netflix now with with their latest piece. Uh, reading more books and things, it, I, I think there's this sacred feeling that like they're almost in you know they're almost not human. That they're so perfect, they're not. They're athletes. They're competitors. They get upset. Some people can control their anger one way. Others need to control it another way. Remember Tiger Woods early in his career? How he always showed Tiger in the news today. Interesting stuff. Apparently he's on the outs with his with his uh, girlfriend. Um, kind of a weird story. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit if you haven't heard. That broke a couple of hours ago. But remember Tiger when he get all upset? Remember David Duval when he had the tobacco in his mouth and he was at the Masters and he had a bad shot and he tore up the fairway at Augusta? You know, it's just things like that, and you're like, what? You know, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Getting it out of their system, uh, to me, is one way of looking at it. Others will will keep it bottled up, and I don't know what they do. Maybe they get back to the hotel room, or they get into the clubhouse, and they they finally explode there. Uh, but I I love a villain. I love a villain in athletics. You know, I respected the bad boys, whether it was Dennis Rodman or Bill Lame Beer. I love the um, the Boston Red Sox mantra of the, of the mid-70s. 25 players, 25 cab rides home. Charlie Finley's group that won the World Series in Oakland in 72, 73, 74. They couldn't get along. Read the Bronx Zoo. It's one of the greatest baseball books uh, y- you'll ever read. The fights between the late Thurman Munson and his battery mate, Cliff Johnson. And, and, and in football, we've seen so. Villains to me is, is a large part of sports. And you can go to Arnold's Army okay, and, and, and everything that Arnold Palmer had who fixed this sport and changed this sport and brought so much popularity to the sport. And when Jack came and the Golden, you know, the golden Bear really emerged, it, it took people a long time. To embrace Jack Nicholas. Now, you know, I went around for that. This is what I've read, but, you know, boxing's a totally different animal. There has been some of that in golf, but there hasn't been a whole lot of guys on the PGA Tour that people just flat out dislike. Yeah, you know, I can think of Rory Sabatini at times. I gave you Montgomery at times. Uh, obviously, Patty Reed. Uh, at times. Can you think of one back there, JJ? Rory McIlroy. Rory
2: McElroy? Right Rory McElroy?
1: Okay. Rory McIlroy. There, there you go. But but don't we need a little bit of this?
2: Absolutely.
1: Don't we need a little bit of excitement? Don't we need a sidebar story? Don't we need to hear about how someone walked through someone else's line or, or someone had a hiccup in someone's backswing? Again, it's like they're so robotic. They're all the same. Give me a story. Give me a little something. I, for one, will be the first to tell you. I miss Patrick Reed. I do. I wish Patrick Reed was here. Now, 90 95% of you listening, you're going to say, Baloo, jam it, okay? You don't know what you're talking about. It's Patrick Reed. He stole and cheated at Georgia. He got thrown out of school there. The man's a menace. His wife's a menace. His family's, I mean, whatever. I want a little bit of that. We, we get it, obviously, during the Ryder Cup. But we don't get it here in the States enough. And we don't get it on a week-to-week basis. At least that's my opinion. If you want to share yours, by all means, we would love to hear from you on the text line. The number is 641-1010. Man, the eyes are looking so good tonight. I just feel, as I look over uh, the 10th tee box, now, uh, you got Morgan Stanley and Optum and Grant Thornton, and you got all these beautiful signs uh, neatly decorated and and plushly acquainted, and I just sit back and I say, "It's a good thing I have good vision because I'm going to be ball tracking tomorrow. How about you? How about your vision? you coming up the next four days? Can you see? If not, I have the simple process for you. It's called Schmunez' Vision. They're right out here at the beach. I swear by these folks. They're absolutely incredible. They're more than just going and seeing an eye doctor, okay? First off, incredibly personable, all right? I told you the story about a month ago. I left my contacts in. I tell you all the time not to sleep in them. I went out, had way too many beers, way too many Miller Lights, perhaps maybe a little Irish whiskey. I don't remember. I woke up on the couch in my bar, right? My eyes were practically sewn shut, had to get them out of there, made a Scratch or whatever it was in my right eye. Went and visited Dr. Schmunez, gave me some eye drops. They were gone within two days. Okay. Only part of what they do. They're a family organization. You're talking about more than 30 years worth of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery. All right. That's Dr. Catherine Schmunez and Dr. Neil Schmunez. Give them a call today, 299 2906, or better yet, check out everything they have to offer online. Just go to shmunezvision.com, care, you can see. All right, we are very busy on this Wednesday night. And we love it that way. Plenty on the players. A lot to do as well on the Jaguars. My goodness, what a letter by Calvin Ridley in today's The Players' Tribune. If you have not heard about that, I'm going to share that with you as well on the other side. So, best way to get us is on the text line. That number is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Ballou, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL.
0: Into the night with Rick Belue on 1010 XL 92.5 FM.
1: Ah, oh, you're not shy. You get around. Ah, great lyricist, and uh, could that be the difference between a sundress and a romper? I did a little bit of romper, a little bit of romper investigative work out here today, JJ.
2: Just research. That was it. Scientific research. And I
1: keep having people send me stuff <laughs> about, like, photos of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of women in rompers. And I, I wasn't aware of the, you know, the— uh, The fad? Right, the change. You know, r- really wasn't uh, up to the very latest as far threats. I would is, say it's within, within the last,
2: you know, 10 years-ish or so. It's become a thing. So did you—have you come to any certain conclusions based on your one day of scientific research?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the sundress. Okay, uh, the sundress to me is is uh, again it's it's what it's all about. I mean, if if there are single dudes out here, they should be looking for their wife, and what you do is you find her in that beautiful sundress because, as I've said, to me, the sundress is like a five star restaurant and hotel. It's a complete package. I did see a couple of girls today walking around, or a couple, some women today walking around like they were at a country concert, and they had the kind of the torn up jeans and that. I'm like, mm, you know, I, not your that's, style. That's worthy of a hamburger, you know. so yeah, to me, that's what it's all about, and you're gonna see it here over the next four days. But that whole thing with the the romper, I didn't know anything about it. I, I and I remember seeing like, didn't uh, who was the big fatty who wore it? Didn't like Nate Newton.
2: Have on a romper, or oh, was it Vincent Wilfork one year? Oh, Vince Wilfork wore a overalls with nothing right. under them, yeah.
1: yeah it, uh, people kept telling me that Cam Newton was, like, in a yes, romper. Yes, very
2: stylish, Cam.
1: So I guess I had, like, the wrong impression uh, of a romper, because I guess rompers are for guys and gals, where the last time I checked, and, hey, it could have changed within the last, oh, I don't know, hour, but men don't typically wear sundresses. Unless it's Saturday night. Oh, times okay. have changed, bro. <laughs> I know they
2: have. All right. Let's, uh, have you got your picks yet? They're coming up next hour. Do you know who you're going to? I with? have a handful of guys that I'm hoping you don't take. All right. So that's
1: coming up in a little bit. Um, I'm actually really surprised here. I'm getting a ton of feedback on the villain comment. And uh, you can do the same. It's 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Spot everyone is in agreement with me, except for this guy, so you know which direction I'm going to go. The 2253 says, Blue, you have your balls and your jaws. And that was an awful golf take. So I said, why? Everyone cannot be robotic, and he disagrees with me. So there's one gentleman out there that thinks that these golfers shall remain the same. Height, weight, smile, Dress, look, make a birdie, suffer through a bogey, turn to the crowd, hand wave, smile, bottle the pocket, flip the ball to the caddy, grab your towel, go to the next swing, uh, go to the next tee, practice swing, and then bam, crush it 300 plus. Um, that's what a lot of people like. I, I, I'm looking for a little something that's different, you know? Give me something. Give, give me a guy out here. Give me someone that, that, that I need to see. Someone that's a little bit different, okay?
2: Um, wow, did you see the text that just came in?
1: I think it hurts the tour. I do. And, and I, I'll get to that. No, I haven't seen it. And, and, and I do think that it hurt hockey. You know, you look at hockey up until the Craig McTavish was the last guy who was grandfathered in, who didn't have to wear a helmet. Those who are my age remember hockey with a guy like Jacksonville's Ron Duguay with the with the long flowing mame, okay, and guys who were bald and guys who were this and guys who were that. Now, so many of them look the same. They come from Sweden and Finland and Russia and Czech and all, and they look. They like these golfers here on the PGA Tour. So you know, my point is, stick out, literally. Jesper Parnovic he stuck out he dressed it he looked it he at times flipped out on the uh, you know uh, uh, on the tee box fairway bunker green Uh, I need a little bit more of that
2: all right what did I miss here on the text line all right this guy uh, he says bad boys lead to bad fans which lead to soccer fan type behavior so apparently he thinks if there's a couple quote bad boys on the PGA tour we're suddenly going to have like I don't know right wing ultras uh, fighting fans. Baloo
1: reporting live above seventeen, <laughs> where seven people have been shot today at the Players Championship, <laughs> several others stabbed. No, it's uh, it's always going to be a golf crowd. Right, it's not. It, it, I mean, listen, everyone out here looks like these guys. They all dress like them. Yeah, they all act like them. Okay, I mean, and. Everything's changed. I, I remember what it was like out here in the mid 90s, where I want to tell you right now, we did hold a hole coverage on the ball, hold the hole, JJ, and the only way you could do hold a hole coverage was on your cell phone. And at that particular time, they would throw you off this golf course if you uh, had a cell phone. If let's say your baby coughed, <laughs> you get you get thrown out here. Let's say you were an 80 year old man, you pass gas. You would get thrown out of here, okay? It was amazing the way that this place used to be. I can't tell you how many times I had this big armband on and everything that was supposed to designate me from others. And I'd be, yeah, you know, right now, Lee Jansen on number eight, he trails Steve Elkington by two holes. He's got about a 20-foot pot. Looks like a little break left. And I'd be in the midst of that. And I'd be getting physically tackled by a staff worker. I'd be, sir, you're not allowed to be on a cell phone. So they made all these changes. They've changed everything to try to make it more accommodating for the consumer. And, you know, on top of that, everything out here now is corporate. Nothing's free uh, out here uh, anymore.
2: And if you want to grow the game, you need to. You want guys like me, you know, guys who don't necessarily play golf, but are sports fans and want to watch your product and go to your events and have fun. Like, it doesn't always have to be Augusta. Top three golfers in the world are playing together tomorrow,
1: okay? That is John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy. I'm going to get out here early. I'm going to watch him. I'll be the first to tell you right now, I cannot stand Rory McIlroy. I, I just can't stand him. I, I think he uh, is is fake. I, I, I think that he does and says things that he, he really doesn't mean. Um, I think there's a fine line between his arrogance and ignorance. And he's a guy that I actually want to see perform poorly. Uh, I also happen to feel the exact same way about Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas's comments two years ago during COVID, when he saw some knuckleheads having a hot dog and beer on the street corner, and he was upset that they weren't shuttered down because of COVID, yet he flew in his masseur, his chef, his shrink, his swing coach, his maid, his girlfriend, his girlfriend's friends, his girlfriend's friends, boyfriends. He rented a house. He did all that, but yet he was popping off about, oh my God, how dare you win Hilton Head? How dare you go out and have a good time? So I'm like, forget about it. You know, Justin Thomas, most popular guy out here. You know what? I hope he fails. Is I hated he the it. most popular guy out there? I hated it two years ago when he came from behind and and ran right through Lee Westwood and ran right through uh Brooksy. i I couldn't he's one of them he's one of them right I mean he's got Sabins' backing <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean so yeah I mean liking and dislike is one thing but I want a bad guy I do I want a guy with a rep I mean how great would it be to see someone bury a pot and then you know, turn around and give us like the the new world order. Um, you know, not to that extreme. I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> <laughs> not not to that extreme. But I I would love I would and I, and I think uh. I think so many of our listeners would love it as well. I mean, Rory yesterday I listened to his entire press conference. He's like, we're not competing with the live. We're competing with Snapchat. We're competing with Instagram. Well, how does golf register on either one of those two devices? Do you think young kids running and ripping and doing all that are really going to sit back and watch Rory McIlroy stand over a 150-foot approach with a wedge? They they don't have time for that. They're not going to stick around for that. So it's almost like he's coming out saying exactly what I'm trying to say as well, give us a guy with a personality. Give us a guy that's different from these other members of the PGA Tour. And I really think there's there's an audience out there. There there are people out there that would gravitate to that. Yes or no?
2: Oh, absolutely. I've said that for a long time about golf. That's why I think like the the story a few years ago with Brooks – and DeChambeau where they were like battling and a lot of like golf guys were like, Oh, let's, this is so bad. You know, it's annoying for the game. I hate it. And and to me as somebody who's not a golfer, but enjoys the sport, I'm just like, this is awesome. Like we need more guys hating each other on the tour like that. That's why I'm excited for the majors though, because the majors are going to have live versus PGA and that's when it's going to get cool. I'm excited. Well, in May, the PGA Championship, yeah, they're all going
1: to be there. Uh, at least that's a belief. Um, obviously, the criteria is different for every major, and that includes uh, in April uh, what is going to happen uh, with the majors. i tell you what else drives me just insane with Rory McIlroy. And there's old school, and then there's new wave in baseball, and if you play the role of the two one, oh, oh, and there she goes, and you bat flip, you're automatically old, okay? You're automatically screaming at the clouds, get off my lawn, you have one foot in the grave. Uh, even if you feel that way, you can't act it Keep publicly it anymore. Yeah. You
2: ju- You just can't. If you tweet, like, something negative about a bat flip, they'll probably ban your account.
1: Right, 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 right. So... Regardless of how you feel, um, you're better off not playing that role because you're going to get crushed, particularly on Twitter or any other social media, uh, whatever it is that you do use. Okay, same same feeling that I have now with Rory. I've been watching golf for decades. Rory McIlroy hangs on to that backswing, okay, Th- Per per capita, I'm guessing there are thousands of people who die during the time period that Rory (laughs) McIlroy hangs on to that backswing. It's like 10, 11, 12 seconds. I'm like, bro, show a little bit of respect for the game. Nicholas didn't do it that way. Palmer didn't do it that way. Trevino didn't do it that way. Woods didn't do it that way. Mick- Stop hanging on to your backswing. It's, unbel- it's so annoying. And he only does it when he hits it pure. You ever notice when he struggles? And you know, he's, and, and he's one of the great golfers on tour. But I'm just like, show a little bit of respect for the founding fathers. And stop hanging on to that damn backswing the way that you do. It drives me insane. You know, he
2: does that. I've never even I, – I just assumed all golfers did that when they hit a great shot. No, no. No one does it like Rory. No, and no one. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm seeing, like, all of his shots in my head. I'm like, oh, my God. You know what? It's Now it, I hate Rory even worse. <laughs> never before <laughs> and never after. after.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, what, 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 what possesses a man – to hang on to the backswing the way that he does. Now, I'm sure there's swing coaches out there, and i got to believe it, there's plenty of you out here in Ponte Vedra, Right riding against a blue you just don't know golf. You're a weekend hacker. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. That's the best way for him mechanically mm. to follow through on his swing. I don't believe it. It's arrogance, okay? And we're talking about a guy who won four majors, and, and, and what's he done? Over the last several years, oh, Blue, he won a player's championship. Oh, Blue, did you see what he did last year? He won the Fed. I, I don't care. I don't care. Show some respect for the game. To me, that's total lack
2: of respect. What about when a guy shoots a three, game. you know, feels good coming off his fingers, he nails it and he kind of keeps his hand up for a little longer? You How don't I'm fine with that. that. Okay. No, as a matter
1: of fact, I don't, mind, I don't mind anyone else in the tour who hangs on to their backswing. <laughs> Only Roy. Ro- Rory drives me crazy when that. he does it. You know what strikes me crazy about Rory? He's from Northern Ireland, and he says he likes, actually, um, I can't even think of his name right now. Damn, uh, damn, 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 damn. Who's the singer A from musician,
2: Northern Ireland? Bo- uh, Bono?
1: No, no, no. He likes him better than you, too. Uh, the original mystic, uh, uh, help me out here, the Irishman, Dickie Allen. you got to know what I'm talking about here. The, uh, Morrison, Van Morrison. Oh, sorry. Crying out loud, the guy says he likes Van Morrison more than you, too. Get me out of here, JJ. Three, two, one.
0: Into the night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: Van Morrison over you U2. That's really all you need to know when it comes to Rory. Uh, last year... Play was delayed an hour because of overnight rain. We had thunderstorms. We began at 745, and then it was suspended at 11 a.m. due to dangerous weather. Uh, Play resumed at 314 hour time, so a four-hour and 14-minute delay. Obviously, that was canceled because of darkness. Uh, Friday, it was cloudy with scattered showers and thunderstorms. Remember Saturday? You had winds from the southwest, twenty to thirty miles per hour. Absolutely incredible to see what it was like out here. Sunday as well. Who's the big Irishman who had the hole in one? Um. Oh, uh, uh, no, the ba- yeah, Shane Lowry. Yes, yes, I was there for that. It was, uh, it was just incredible. And then uh, obviously the, uh, the the tournament wrapped up on a Monday, so. Unfortunately, there, you know, most of the good folks had to to go back to work. But, you know, you look at Cameron Smith, he shot a 69 on Thursday. So he was three out uh, behind Tommy Fleetwood and Tom Hoagie. Then in round two, uh, a four under overall is a one under 71 for Cameron Smith. So he picked up a stroke there, three strokes behind Tom Hoagie. And Sam Burns. And then on Saturday, he actually began the day two strokes out. And was able to make that up and win the event by one stroke on Sunday. Going 69, 71, 69, and 66. Again, just showing the importance of playing well the entire tournament. All right? Very rarely... In golf, period, does the best Sunday score win an event, okay? The best Sunday score here last year was a 63 by Dennis Johnson. The uh, Dustin Johnson, I'm thinking of the late uh, Boston Celtics guard uh, DJ. He used to live down the road in, uh, in, in Palm Coast before he passed. Dustin Johnson shot a 63. The next best score was Max Homa. Uh, with a 66. One other nugget before I get back to this, just to kind of put things into perspective with last year's event. Round one, you had 30 rounds below 70. Round two, you only had eight. Okay, eight rounds of 70 or less. Now you cut the field, so you would think it would be less Saturday and Sunday, right? Consistently 18 on both Saturday and Sunday, or I guess in this case it would be Sunday with the conclusion on Monday. I guess the technical way that I should say it is the third and fourth round. All right, the text line, the text line has exploded. It, it, are, is, are things smoking back there at the studio, J.J.? I'm not smoking. I know that. All right, because I'm telling you what, this this uh, our text line is, at six four one ten they ten. They hate
2: your golf takes, or they love your golf takes.
1: They don't. They don't all hate my golf. Okay. I, I think it's like pretty consistent here. I think it's like half, half good, half bad, which is exactly um, what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for a little bit of of consistency here. I love this one though. It says, uh, "Believe, watch Irish and Scottish golfers. They play the, on the coast. They hold." Uh, in respect the game. They invented the damn game. Now, let's hear if you're nervous that Norvel won't be able to hang on to the transfer
2: portal. <laughs> oh, I thought Scotland invented the game.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ireland, Scotland, you
2: know, uh, right next to same. one another.
1: Uh, Brian, I don't want to do Brian Harmon, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Rory is a cryberry. He whines. When I knew him and I met him as a young kid, he was that kid for sure. Oh, wow. With, with a temper.
2: Personal story. Um,
1: uh, let's see here, twenty two fifty three, but I want to see you in a romper. Okay, that's you're gonna have to get me drunk in, in, in order for that to happen. Forty oh four says Blue, I caddy out there, and they are some of the worst golfers ever. don't would fit in. I play in the mini tour, drank about eight ten around. Now be, uh, call me the beer coach. Rory cheating to drop on eighteen to win the tour championship. <laughs> the tour let him cheat. Uh, let him cheat. I, I don't know if I remember that. I would think that that one would kind of stick with me. Do you remember that one? Um, Baloo, Rory's uh, shirts are too tight um, Oh yeah, to make his more. arms and back look
2: big. All right. He has looked – he's got a great physique, I mean, and he didn't always. So he's obviously been working that, and he wears medium to show it off. I find it annoying, but I also understand uh, from his point of view.
1: Yeah, I just I need to have a talk with him about his backswing. I think he'll listen to me. And and what I what I compare this to would be as follows. I don't mind a dunk. I like a dunk. But when you dunk and you hang on the rim for 5 seconds and then you come down and you stop and you stare at the crowd and you're down 20 points? <laughs> yeah. There's no reason why you should do that. It's the same thing with a bat flip. If you're up 9-2 and you make it 10-2, okay. If you're down 9-2 and you make it (laughs) 9-3 and you bat flip and you take 40 seconds to run around, it doesn't work. It's the same thing here with Rory. If he's tearing it up T to green, okay. You know, I'm the best player in the world. Look at me. I'm the ultimate alpha. And – Hang on. but that's not always the case for Rory McElroy. He's shown his warts as well. R- respect the game. That that's my opinion. Eleven seventeen, believe Spieth is the most annoying with his whining uh, to his caddy. They I, I they actually do it a lot. I actually don't have a problem with that, but I can understand where some people do. It's content. Uh, thirty-three twenty-six. believe it wasn't John Daly the guy who was the wild golfer smoking and drinking. John Daly has his own set of rules. Charles Barkley has his own set of rules in the world of broadcasting. 99.9999999% of us would be fired if we have said the things that Charles Barkley has said. He has got his own, he's in his own little bubble in what he can get away with. John Daly, the same way as a golfer, he, despite all his faults, Okay. I mean, that man went through women the way that Rosie O'Donnell goes through a buffet. And it was one after another after another. He sang a song called All My Exes, Where Rolexes. I I have a CD. It's pretty good stuff. But John Daly was lovable. People forgave John Daly for all his faults because his attitude was I'm going to show up at my tea time, I'm going to show up. Hungover with a Diet Coke and a smoke, and it's as simple as where's the first tee and what's the course record. That was John Daly. I I don't agree with it, but he was given an enormous pass. We all remember his meltdown over at the old Sloppy Joe's down at the beach. A Boo Weekly reference here by 2596, one of my favorite interviews of all time. (laughs) I did an interview here with Boo Weekly, and the guy swallowed a couple of beers in the middle of it. He snapped it open. Uh, him and the other guy, uh, guy who played hockey, at I think he played at Hartford. He's out of Wisconsin. He's on the, he's on the, um, oh, Dad Gummet. He's on the Champions Tour now. Uh, I can't think of his name. I bet he played here forever. It, it, it'll come Jerry to me. Jerry Kelly? Yes, yes. Would you say Gary Kelly? Jerry Kelly. Jerry Kelly, yes. He was another one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. It because he's like, I really don't like golf. I just play because I'm good at it. And he's like, hockey's my favorite sport. And if you know, I could have made it, um, it absolutely would have been as a hockey player. I, I, I know that that take bothers people as well. I mean, when Deion Sanders said that basketball was his favorite sport, people wanted a piece of Dion. When he said that people, there's a message for you out there. If you listen to guys um, like Jerry Kelly and Deion Sanders, don't be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Why to please the people (laughs) to please the media? (laughs) Listen, this guy with the this text is outraged. This just shows some of you golf fans live in such a bubble. He's claiming Billy Ho. Billy Horschel is a bit of a villain. Billy Horschel like is. no one ever no one thinks that no one's like care first of all no one cares about Billy Horschel um, and then on no one absolutely no one's like you know who's a really bad guy on the tour that I cheer against Billy Horschel that's never happened dude like we're talking about people that are hateable someone that cheats someone that cheats on their wife someone that gets arrested you know, what? throws a T at Rory. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> hey, listen, Billy Horschel.
1: Horschel's had a couple of... He said a few things about the Live Tour. He, he made some other comments. But he's got a foundation out here. Charitable foundation. Probably a great guy. Every time I've ever talked to him, you know... Listen, I have the utmost respect for Billy Horschel. I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. But I do... There is a little bit of him there with oh, that. A really? tiny bit. Yeah, I've seen it before. Okay. A little bit with him.
2: I'll be watching I, extra close now. I remember
1: a couple of years ago, he went crazy I, I, uh, about the way that the, the greens were rolling. I don't remember the event. You may be able to Google it and find it. I'm, I'm guessing it happened two, three years ago. 2015
2: right? U.S. Open. All
1: right, 2015. Well man, I think it was one since then. Maybe there's another one on there.
2: Yeah, uh, apparently he had an awkward exchange with a heckler at the 2021 Arnold Palmer, and he, he told him, "quote There is a reason I am on this side of the rope and you're on that side."
1: Oh, oh he I went to that oh, now, man. <laughs> That's 45.97. Preach it, Baloo. I'm the same here with Rory. Okay, 16.67, Baloo villain. No, we don't need it, but yes, we need someone to root against, and that guy for me is Patrick Cantley he goes on to say he's a tool. <laughs> 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 All right, a little bit of fun in hour number 1. Tomorrow night we'll have non-stop scores and who's making moves as the sun has now set over the stadium course in Ponavidra. Coming up next, what an unbelievable, incredible, absolutely phenomenal letter by Calvin Ridley. If you have not read it, you need to If you did not respect this man prior, if you have a clear mind and read this and don't automatically become a fan of him after, then that's on you. Let's talk to John Osher about it, other moves the Jaguars have made, including the official release today of Shaq Griffin. It's all coming up in hour number two with Rick Balloon.
0: Into the Night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: Ah, uh, Mr. Van, Mr. Van Morrison.
2: We were born
1: Shame on you, Rory. I'll get back to that in a little bit. Just like one of those Rory McElroy paychecks, though. That, that'd that be nice. Especially $4.5 to win it. 42nd time, they'll play here tomorrow. Of course, the event began back in 1974 in Atlanta. Much more for the Players' Championship, where, let me tell you who's here now. We're outside the middle of the wilderness. It's myself, Dickie Allen, and nothing but live snakes, lizards, gators, and one tiny little desk light. That's it. We're out in the middle of nowhere. If we don't make it back, you know why. John Osher's plushly set and enjoying himself, I imagine, somewhere in uh, safe confines. He is the senior writer from Jaguars.com, and he
3: goes into the night with Rick Ballou. How are you? Van Morrison, uh, the most underrated great artist of our generation, Rick, to me. I, I, he's, he's fantastic, and he, he's still going strong. His recent stuff is uh, maybe not as good as his classics, but it's pretty good. Most underrated, really. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just when people are, are sort of rolling off the great artists of our, you know, of our fifty years of consuming music. Maybe they don't mention him with you know, the Stones or the Beatles, you know, but he's he's uh, he's close. He's got a lot of classic albums. What um,
1: what was the band that he was with when he got things started and he Damn. signed the actual Gloria?
3: What, what, them. them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. And
3: two or three of them, I mean, they have maybe two or three albums, but uh, in terms of uh, rock and roll at that time, those two albums are, are fantastic. Them and Them Again are the two albums. There you go. Very, uh, very, very, very fantastic. My wife's a huge Van Morrison fan. I've sort of followed suit. So.
1: He's one of the few artists I've yet to see, and I hope he makes it over here. Cause I, I, well, I guess it, I...
3: it's, it's a gamble seeing him now because he's, he, he he has a reputation, maybe a little like Dylan, of uh, he can be really good, but if, but if he's not in the mood, he's he's he is uh, has a reputation for not really caring much about the audience sometimes. but Very temperamental. Very <laughs> I've seen temperamental. Jackson
1: Brown do that before, yeah. Where it's it's basically like you know what, you know, I'm just going to play nothing but deep cuts. Because I'm not yeah. in a good mood, and I don't care yeah. what you want. All right, hey, uh, what 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 an unbelievable week it's uh, it's been for the Jaguars. Obviously, next week at this time, the the NFL season will begin on March 15th, and I, I don't think there'll be a lot of uh, of discussion about adding as far as free free agency because of the way the cap is. Uh, but they do make important moves. Let's begin with Calvin Ridley reinstated by the NFL in Jacksonville today, and his piece that he wrote on the player, you know, at the Players Tribune is, is one of the I'm not just saying this because it happened right now, but it's truly one of the greatest letters I've ever read written by an athlete.
3: Yeah, and you know, I, I think Trevor's qualifies as that too, uh, although for different reasons. Obviously, Trevor's was more of a message to the fans of Jacksonville, uh, sort of a connection there, and I think Calvin sort of explains a lot. About uh, you know, I can answer some questions. I think fans who read it can maybe understand. I've I've gotten a lot of of questions from fans about well, is he worth the risk? Why did he step away? Why you know, a lot of why's. I uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure it can be answered much more clearly than that. Um, and so, uh, you know, was it a risky move by the Jaguars? Is there some risk involved? with the acquisition, I, I guess because there's always risk with human beings. But it's, it's awfully hard to read that piece and not think, okay, this is a kid who's ready. Uh, he's, he's gotten things worked out. Uh, so, um, you know, I think full speed ahead as far as the Jaguars and Ridley are concerned, but I agree with you. A, a, a very uh, insightful piece.
1: You know, as a society, we're incredibly forgiving for him to take us to places where he did today uh, is amazing because it, you know it almost felt like to me John that he wanted to let everyone know his demons what he went through his upbringing you know what happened with his mom and his dad uh, making it day to day then the demons reappeared with the with the injury and the betting it's almost like he got everything out there now for these jaguar fans to understand what was your thought about him taking it to that level? Well, yeah, I I agree
3: with you. You know, I think, uh, I don't want to get too overly philosophical, but in life there are times where you're ready for a start. You're ready for certain things. You know, you're ready to uh, come clean is not the word I'm looking for, but I think you know what I'm saying. You're ready to have it known. And then once it's sort of known, then there's nothing to hide. You know, there's no and I don't I don't know anything to hide anyway, because, you know, your life, your business. But um, I think it was I would interpret it as, as him saying, OK, this was then uh, I've got X number of years left with football, whatever that is. I I have been away from it now I always appreciated it, but now I completely understand what it means to me. It felt like that kind of moment. Um, I, I credit him for being able to say, Hey, this is what it is. This is where I've been. This is what my life has been. Uh, and I don't care who knows it. I, you know, and now I am ready to be the, be what I want to be now. You know what I mean, Rick? So, uh, it was impressive. I've got a lot of positive feedback, meaning people who write me in the Ozone have said they were touched by it, understood it. I think that was the effect that he wanted. So um, I think it speaks to uh, where he must be mentally as he takes his next step. I think that was the gist of it.
1: John Oshar, I guess, senior writer, Jaguars.com, joining Rick I'm Broadcasting live tonight from the Players' Championship. The tournament gets underway tomorrow morning.
3: Sounds like you're a little scared out there, Rick. Sounds like there might be some fear involved for you.
1: I, 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 I'm going to send a picture and put it on Twitter. You would not believe <laughs> where I am, and we're the only one here. And we're surrounded. I mean, I'm more scared right now than I was when I was walking through the rainforest two weeks
3: ago in Costa Rica. Well, okay? I haven't covered a player in a long time. I uh, was the TU back in the day. But I... <laughs> I do remember some walks at, and I have no idea of the parking. I haven't been to the players in a while, but back then they parked the media way out. You'd be oh walking yeah. Back yeah. These, yeah. You know, you, you're walking down these dark fairways uh, on, on holes that you really didn't cover because <laughs> <laughs> they weren't number nine and number 18. They were way out. Uh, but yeah, I can remember some, uh, you know, me and Mike Duraco walking on some long fairways back in the day. No doubt about
1: it. Um, you know, let's let's wrap with this. Um, uh, well, first off, fourteen hundred yards he puts in the piece in all the years since day one you've been here. I know you went away for a little bit to Indy, like I went away a little bit to Chicago. But in all the years that you've ever been here, have you ever heard this phrase used for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Are there enough footballs to go around? Well.
3: Not really. Bucky Brooks and I on the Huddle Up podcast were talking a little bit. And I, I I don't want to say that it's it's the best offensive weapon they've ever had because I don't want to shortchange Keenan, Jimmy, and Fred, who I think have two Hall of Fame and one guy who's pretty close in that group, if you follow me. Right. So quality, I don't know that this – you can't put this group with Jimmy and Fred. I you agree. Have, I agree. But, but in terms of, in, in terms, you know, I made the point a little differently, I guess. Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, would it surprise you on any given day if they have 100 yards and two touchdowns, one of those guys? No way. Nope. So they haven't had that. And Damn. different eras, but... In this era, for the way the game is played and for the way Doug Peterson wants to coach, which is spread the ball around, all guys can do all things, um, that's where Calvin Ridley just adds one more piece. And it, it's not take away from Marvin Jones, because he was sort of that guy, too. He could, he could put 100 on you. But Ridley can put 190 on you, you know, and, and yeah. with not every week, but he's capable of that. So, yeah, this is uh, – what a job in player acquisition by Trent balky And I know it was Vogue to criticize him a year ago, but you've got Ridley, Ingram, Jones, and Jones have been acquired in the last 14 months.
1: Leave us with this. Juwan Taylor, uh, I know all along you thought that they were going to do their best to bring him back, and I believe that right now, financially, they're going to really have to scramble to get this done in a week.
3: Well, you know... And I don't know how far they are along in that because you don't know about negotiations. I've always thought it was gonna to be tough because of what the perception was going to be of Dewan by the time he got to free agency. And then once you hit free agency, as you know Rick, it's rare for the for the prime guys to go back from their team. Usually if they hit free agency it doesn't happen. I've always thought it'd be tough. I'd always thought they I always thought they wanted to. And I don't have any more of a feel for it than I did a week ago. I don't know that it's going to be tougher than it was a week ago, uh, but I've always thought it was going to be tough. So not much of an answer, but I think you follow where I'm going. I always thought it would be tough. I, the clock ticking just means it's closer to a, to a time, and I guess we'll see what happens. Yep, no doubt
1: about it. we got a week uh, to see if they can do it. If not, he'll test the market, and who knows? I mean, they can still get
3: it done after the fact, only time. Yeah, if he tests the market, tell. then I think it, history tells you once they test the market, it's probably over on Yeah, it probably so, is. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't get to that point. All
1: right.
3: Hey, John, thank you as always. Have a good one. Rick, enjoy it. Stay safe,
1: buddy. Stay safe. <laughs> there he you go. goes. John on. Osher. Yes, yeah. I got a flash on, on my phone. phone. Uh, it's a good thing that I uh, – let me see how much – I got 50%. So <laughs> – I'll be able to get out of here. Uh, we got 45 minutes remaining in the show, but it, it, you know what? It, it gets bigger. It gets it, it get that it gets that more uh, that much more exciting, in my opinion, because the Boston Capper is on deck. So we'll do that with him. Then JJ and I are going to make our picks this year. We'll give a couple of picks plus a sleeper. you, know, you want to share your opinion on that? 641-1010. That is the best way to get us, and that is on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Much more to do. We are live from the players at the stadium course.
0: Now, another interview on the Farrah & Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah & Farrah. Into the night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: All right, we're here. It's the eve of the players, and we are broadcasting live from the Stadium Course in Pontevedra tomorrow morning, early six fifty. Can you imagine that? These guys are going to get up at probably quarter of, you know, quarter of four. Um, breakfast, right? Coffee, and then they go through their routine, which is just amazing. I know it's different from everyone. I was actually listening to. First event I ever covered out here was in nineteen ninety seven when Steve Elkington won for the second time. He won in ninety one. Elkington talked about getting out here in ninety seven on that Sunday and took like six shots off uh off of the um you know, the practice ground, six drove it six times, went to the first tee, and it was Scott Hoke. Uh, if you never seen Scott Hoke, he almost looks like Tom Coughlin. And um Hoke made a comment to him, and Elkington basically told him to stick it and went out and won that event, but absolutely different from the way that most of these guys do train. It takes a couple of hours or so to get ready before they do begin their round. All right, let's bring in the Boston Capper. He loves his golf. He loves to wager on golf. He loves to talk about golf. He even loves to play golf, and he goes into the night with Rick Ballew. What do you say, Boston Capper? What's up, brother? How are you? You ready? You see I'm ready. I'm ready. Huh? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I am. This is uh, this is fun. I hope the weather... First off, it looks like the weather's going to be a heck of a lot better this year than it was a year ago.
4: Yeah, thank God, man. Cause that, that, that really skewed the tournament, the stats and the stops, and the, the guys getting blown out to sea because they got caught in a bad wave. It looks like it should pre- be pretty good right now. Well, you know how it is, man. The wind can pick up at any point, and uh, it was it was blustery out the other day, but tomorrow looks good.
1: You know, I look at the Europeans. They've really struggled here. only five winners in 41 years here. At this particular course, um, what about wind? How much of that plays into what you do week in, week out when you bet on the PGA Tour? It's like a
4: tiebreaker. Right. And if you're doing like daily DFS, like DraftKings or FanDuel, wherever you do it at, um, you can do something that's called like wave splits. Uh, I mean, listen, you don't want to put your whole allocation into that in case you're wrong, which most of the time we are. Uh, as far as, you know, what we think a golfer's going to do and what the wind's going to do, you put those two things together. Your, uh, chances of failure, uh, are pretty, are pretty good trying to predict the weather and what a golfer's going to do. Uh, but yeah, you do wave stacks. But yeah, it's like a tiebreaker. So if I know somebody's going to have a good AM, PM split, uh, versus a guy who I like just as much on a PMA that that'll be the tiebreaker. Whether it
1: wins. All right. Before we get to some of what you're going to do and some of what you recommend um, on a week-to-week basis, do you? Well, I guess that would change depending on the course. But do you do you play props here? Will, will you play a hole in one on 17, or the over/under on how many balls actually go in the water on 17?
4: Yeah, especially for tournaments like this, right? So the golf market opens up for, for big tournaments. Uh, I have I've, I've been scouring my local books for balls and water props. Uh, I was able to find one for a highest score on 17 over seven and a half. Uh, love that one. I don't do the hole in ones uh, too much, uh, just because the, you're paying so much juice on one side or the other. And like if you're if you bet no hole in one on Sunday when or Saturday whenever you watch, and they cut to some random golfer on a par three, your heart stops. Uh, so that's it's no fun not to wager no hole in one. Uh, nope. And the juice, you know, it's not worth the squeeze so much. But other props, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I do props, uh, you know, every week, man. I mean, matchups, first-round leaders, I guess, are a prop. Uh, there's a pretty strong trend here. Uh, since 2018, every first-round leader come off of uh, number 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all my guys are going off at 10 in the morning.
1: Okay, so the, the early-late, you, you're playing all uh, – one more time now, what did you just say?
4: Yeah, so for the first-round leader only, bets, right. So since 2018 – uh, every first-round leader, other than Keegan Bradley, who chopped it, he still went off at 10, he went off in the afternoon, but every since 2018 has gone off on number 10.
1: Hmm. All right, interesting, because I, I did see uh, earlier in the week, I didn't know if it was 1 or 10, but early, late, uh, 13 out of the last 15 winners went early, late, early on Thursday, late on Friday.
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and so and I think I want I, – I want to you have to go back and take a look at like what the wind does. I would imagine that, you know, the lady you play, the tougher the weather, especially in Florida. Right. And that's why you see a lot of comfort behind winds, you know, on the Florida swing in the PGA golf, because the weather can change so fast. And, you know, you get blown up to see a couple of bad shots, especially at this course. So you take a couple, you take one shot to ruin your whole round.
1: Boston Capper, our guest, uh, again, we'll give you his info. He's a uh, very well connected in the world of, uh, of golf talk and golf wagering. Um, so what do you recommend? I, you know, the the average casual better will pick a golfer here, and, you know, there's 144 guys trying to win it. They'll pick one of the higher-ranked guys where the, the return is an enormous uh, compared to the risk. Is that the way to go? Do you like head-to-head matchups? What's your overall preference for the Players' Championship? So for, like, your amateur guy who's just who doesn't gamble on golf on like a weekly basis, have fun with it, right? Grab a favorite because
4: – you know, I might turn my nose up at a 25 to 1, but a guy who bets football every Sunday at, you know, minus 110 uh, on a point spread, he's going he's gonna to be doing catwheels in his yacht uh, if, he, if he hits a 25 to 1 or even a 10 to 1. So grab one of the three favors that you like. If you like a couple of the golfers that you like to follow around um, or you're a fan of, just take them and, and, and root them. You know what I mean? But yeah, so matchups are tough for amateur bettors because there's lots of traps uh, that, that they lay out there. Uh, as far as like, in the juice is high on the favorite, and, and mm-hmm. golf is so don't at that, um, you know, you start laying like 140 and 150, and uh, you know, before you know it, you're like, wait, how did this guy lose to that guy? And they're just they're collecting the bet.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting. A couple of guys who are getting ready to go off for the third time are getting a tremendous amount of uh of play as they should. Uh, one is Scotty Scheffler. I mean, tied for 55th a year ago, he didn't make the cut here in 21 yet a lot of people have him penciled in to win it the others max Homa, still waiting on that huge victory he's had what four top five finishes as of late including a victory and a a second place but his best round here was a year ago he shot a 66 on a sunday and ended up tied for 13th what's your opinion on those two golfers
4: so I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with Homa. I mean he's just he's a, he's at a different level right now. Uh, he had his worst putting performance in two years uh, this past week at API uh, on Sunday. So I'm not worried about that. Um, he's known as a California kid. He has in the most California tracks. But he uh, yeah I mean I don't hate Homa. His numbers a little short, so it's it's, it's tough when you're used to betting Homa at 35 and 40 and now he's, you know at like 18. Uh, but yeah I like Homa for this track. Um, I want somebody who's done something here. right course history. Um, isn't as sticky here as it is in other places like Augusta and Pebble, and you know, where guys just come in with no rust and just because they are comfortable with the course, they can just play it. Here, if you come in with B-minus game, you can get ejected real quick with all the hazards around here. Uh, and Scotty, I mean, I don't know. There's something about this place that he hasn't done well with, and at 10-1, to he's not going to get my money.
1: Yeah. Um, how much did you use a year ago? You said what they've done here. Keegan Bradley's a guy that it, I've been sniffing around here today. Keegan Bradley's picking up a little bit of steam, and yep. you know, I look at the top ten golfers last year here. Boston Capper, five of the ten aren't even here because they're with the live.
4: Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and so as far as like last year, uh, you could you you have to dig into it because the weather was so bad. There are some guys who just got caught on the bad waves and. You just got to throw any of those stats out. Like, if you remember, like, I think it was Brooks and Morikawa had to start on 17 on a restart. and The wind was swirling. Every single one of them put it in the water. So you can throw those stats out, but, you know, you want to take a look at somebody like Patrick Cantlite, who doesn't have a good course history here. He's picking up a lot of steam on how well he played API. Well, he was in the good way last year. And yep. he still did poorly. Um, so, you, you know, pick your golfer and dig into it. But I don't take much from last year um, other than, you know, just to see how they actually did, right? Because the, the weather conditions were just – Atrocious. Uh, they really I love, were. Yeah. I, I, I love Keegan. Uh, everything about this place screams Keegan. The problem is, is he, you're right, he's getting steamed. Everybody's talking about his five. He's the only golfer in the field that's made uh, the cut in the last five. I know, I think JT and Rom did too, but they got MDF and that was still a thing. Uh, so the steam around him, uh, is, uh, it makes me worried. But Keegan's like one of my favorite golfers. He's a New England brethren like we are, so I always root for him. And uh, yeah, so you could you could get him at like 90 to one last week because odds got chopped to like 55. I still took it because everything about his game screens is just too well here, but one of those things where it's like if everybody's on him, it's probably not going to hit.
1: Yeah, I was staring at the numbers earlier this week, and it, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, 16 such a scoring hole. 17 is what it is, but 18 once again, hardest golf hole. On this course, last year's average on 18 was 4.553. So you're talking about the best players in the world, where they were, uh, you know, averaging um, nearly a half stroke over par on a closing hole of a tournament. There's, there's really not. With all the love that 17 gets, 18 remains the most difficult hole on this course.
4: Yeah, and especially since they've switched it from made a match the way the wins go now, it, it's almost always in their face. So that tee shot now is really terrifying, and if you bail out right, you, you know you end up putting yourself in a bad spot uh, in the trees. Like we saw Cam Smith do last year, even before he won it. Bat off the box, shot it, just tried to chip out in the water, and then he just happened to stick one of the best wedges in the world, and he made the butt. So like, yeah, you're, you're in a real tough spot. I mean, you've played it. Like is intimidating, but I think 18 is more into
1: yeah uh, 18 is a is a better hole to score on I mean the whole world would say give me what you can do on 17 and and uh, and take that but I mean 18 is uh, definitely the the harder hole all right the Boston capper is with us All right, uh, Boston capper uh, give us some plays where are you going uh, with the next four days
4: uh so so like I said first round leaders uh, that's my favorite thing like if you listen if, if you're at a job where you're just sitting around and you need a Thursday sweat. Uh, there's nothing better than, uh, than tracking every shot um, on ESPN Plus with P- the tour track or whatever. So I got a couple of those guys. I got Fleetwood at 75 to 1 going off at of 10. All these guys are going off at 10 in, in the morning. He's already been first round leader here twice, so he's obviously comfortable here. 75 to 1 on him. Webb Simpson should be comfortable here. Former winner, made six birdies on Sunday. Can he roll that into like a good opening round on Thursday? 100 to 1? I'll take the risk on that. Uh, Ricky Fowler seems like he's coming around a little bit, baited over the weekend. Uh, same thing, good course history. 65 to 1 uh, on that. And then Johnny Vegas, uh, a longer shot at 110. Um, I don't know if you remember his pot way back in the day on 17, uh, but he's getting close. He's coming back from an injury. Uh, two, two straight top 25s, and he actually likes the putt here. So I love that. Um, and then. The what, 20, wasn't
1: that putt on 17? Wasn't that even longer than Tigers?
4: Yeah, it was, like, it was like 100 feet or something ridiculous. I
1: don't know how long it was. But it, yeah.
4: was, it was silly. It was absolutely yeah.
1: silly. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Fleetwood led after one round a year ago. So, you like that? It's 75-1. Yeah. to one. Paul Tesori, yeah. the local uh, caddy here, Webb Simpson, has success. He yeah. won this tournament going back a few years ago. So, you're playing those four first-round leaders after Thursday. Anything else you have up your sleeve?
4: Oh, yeah. So, so I, I, I got Keegan. Like I, I already got Keegan. Um, I really like Terrell Hatton. Um, this seems like a court he, of course he gets frustrated at. He came in t13 here last year, but he was in the mix. He had to get uh, aggressive. I think it was 17. He went in the water. He had to try to make an aggressive shot. Because he knew he had to make birdie birdies to, to give himself a shot. And he ended up going in the water and making bogey and, and kind of fell down the board. He's in really good form. He could have won on Sunday if Bay Hill. You know, he just missed a couple pots. Um, and then I, I don't know what I'm going to do with Morikawa. You know, you can still get him at 30. He doesn't have great course history here. Like I said, you could throw out last year, but this course should fit him just based on how good of an iron player he is. It's just like any other week with Markov, right? you got to hope that you get the spike putting week uh, and his his length off the tee doesn't hurt him here like it does with some of the other courses. And he's if he's not the best iron player in the world, he's one of the best iron players in the world. So if he can still get a three in front of a number of a two-time major winner on a course that should fit him as good as any other course uh, on the tour... You almost got to take it. Um, so, yeah, I like Mark at 30 to 1 as well. And then Will Z, too. Um, everybody, uh, everybody's darling waiting for a win. He should win in tougher golf courses. But, I mean, this should fit him as well, right? Another great iron player. He's coming off a back injury. This is the first time he's going to be playing back to back. You know, he did He was fine. He green last week. Couldn't, put, couldn't chip. And that's the story with Will Zalatoris. But same thing with 35 with 1. I'll take that. He looked good two weeks prior. So. Uh, I'll take that. The, the, the top three aren't
1: getting my money this week. All right. Zala Torres, can you make the putts to win? I like Victor Hovland as well, but his short game, man, it's going to be tested. You know he crushes off the tee. It's going to be really interesting to see how these guys do. All right. Uh, spell everything out for us, Boston Capper, for uh, our listeners, how they can get a hold of you on Twitter. Tell them about your uh, podcast as well.
4: Yes, yes. You can find me on uh, Twitter. super easy. Boston underscore Capper. Uh, I'm co-host of the Golf Gamble Podcast on the Sports Gamble Podcast Network. Uh, get it wherever you download uh, your podcast Apple, Spotify. Uh, We've got a YouTube channel now. I think my producer's making those TikToks. I don't know. Uh, we're all over the place, man. Just come find me on Twitter. That's the easiest place to find all my stuff.
1: Boston Capper. Once again, your, uh, your Twitter handle, and it's a good follow. I follow him on Twitter. What is
4: it? Uh, Boston underscore Capper.
1: Boston Capper. All right. Hey, always a pleasure, sir. We'll do it again uh, right before the Masters. And uh, best of luck with all your plays. Thank you, sir. I'm sure I'll see you in between. There he goes. The Boston Capper. Good stuff. Uh, you know, I don't bet anyway, but it, it, if I did, I mean, that's hardcore stuff. And yeah, there's money to be made out there. First round leaders. Wow. I, 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 I just don't know. I, I look at 18. My goodness. 4.50 was the average score on a par four. Uh, it was the the largest over par, um, you know, conglomerate. Uh, obviously, .53. I mean, that's more than a half stroke on average over par. It's amazing. Obviously, no eagles on the par four 18th. You had 25 birdies. All right. The second fewest birdies at the Players' Championship a year ago would have been 45 at hole number 7. Okay? 25. Incredible. You had 221 pars. You had 125 bogeys. It's the only hole on this golf course where you had triple digits in numbers as far as bogeys. Uh close to that would have been 97 on the par 4 15th hole. You had 36 double bogeys. Okay? Far and away. And you had 16 others, which obviously with no eagles, that that means you had triple bogey or worse on 18. It is an absolutely petrifying closing hole here at the Players Championship and you know, I remember Duvall in 97, as much as I don't like him. I remember what Justin Thomas did here a couple of years ago. Justin Thomas went out and won it. He won that tournament on the back nine. And such an opportunity. You know, before I head to the break, just to tell you about 16, It it's the easiest on this golf course, okay? It's a par 5. It scored at 4.553. So here I am talking about how 18 is... A half shot, it's more than a half shot over par. You look at 16, it's basically a half shot under par. Okay, On a par 5, they're averaging a 4.553. For those of you wondering, on 17 to par 3, yeah, it was over 3.265. So about, you know, just over 25% uh, over the par 3 mark. Uh, So, hey, listen. If you can go birdie, par, par, 16, 17, 18, I think most of these guys will sign up for that. If you can get a 4, 3, and a 4. Birdie, par, par. And, you know, you don't hear the cliche like you hear in football where you can't win a game in the first quarter. You can only lose it. These last three holes, and I'm not going to call it the gauntlet or any of that type of stuff. I mean, don't force a name on someone. It's not the gauntlet, okay? People don't call it the gauntlet. It's 16, 17, and 18. It's the best three closing holes in all of golf, and you have a massive chance to score on 16. You have an opportunity for Eagles there. Let me see how many Eagles there was last year on 16. Um, There were 12, okay? Okay. Um, As a matter of fact, number two, there were 12 Eagles. And number 16, there were 12 Eagles. So the two most Eagles here were on those two holes. But you have an opportunity to score on 16. You can score on 17, although I think most of these guys would just as soon tap in for a par. And then, of course, just don't get in any trouble coming in on 18. All right, coming up next, it is time to make our Pick. So you ready, JJ? Born ready. Everyone is counting on you. You're, you're the people's champion. Okay. I mean, everyone out there is like, JJ, JJ. So on the other side, let's make our picks. So we each pick three guys, and we will pick a sleeper to win the 2023 Players' Championship.
0: Into the Night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: I right, we'll have nonstop coverage for you tomorrow as we begin the Players' Championship. Jeff and Dan, very early in the morning, we'll have it for you, and I'll take you through tomorrow night. Hacker Nation to follow. As a matter of fact, he's standing by. He'll be joining you in about 15 minutes. Right now, let's wrap up our Wednesday night Let's make our picks. J.J. will make three. I will make three. We'll go back and forth, and then we'll each pick a sleeper as well for a fourth overall selection.
2: J.J., you are up first. Who are you picking and why? Thank you, sir. Um, I'm going to go with John Rahm just because he's the number one golfer in the world right now. I would feel foolish not to take him. He's been
1: absolutely phenomenal, no doubt about it, until he fell apart on Last Friday with a 76 and a 77 on Sunday uh, as well, or Saturday as well. Uh, I'm going to take Scotty Scheffler, okay? Number two right now in the world, I will take a guy who is only playing in his third ever Players' Championship. He did not make the cut in 2021. Last year, Scotty Scheffler was tied for 55th. So even though he's highly ranked, odds-wise, I think many people would say, are you kidding me? I'm going to go with it anyway. Give me Sheffler.
2: Pick round two. Who are you going with? I'm going with my boy Tom Kim. I know that's not his real name, but uh, I think you can get him at 40 to 1 odds right now. I'm going number two, T, Tom Kim.
1: going to go Tom Kim.
2: <sighs> I'm assuming this is his first players. Mm-hmm.
1: Um I had the list of first, first timers out here and I have lost it. I, I, I do not know, honestly, whether or not I'm taking a brief look. If so, I don't know if he made the cut a year ago, uh, Tom Kim. I I, I don't have that in front of me, unfortunately. Yes, he
2: is making his debut. All
1: right, Tom Kim, forty to one. I'm going to pick Colin Morikawa. So, Tom Kim. I will take Colin Morikawa.
2: All right. Um, he's been struggling lately, but he's a great I know player. he is. Yeah. All right. This one's going to surprise you. I could have kept this as my sleeper, but I'm going to make him one of my picks. He is a former champion, but it's been a long, long time. Uh, but he's been playing well recently. I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. Really? Yes. Uh, my third pick. All right. Let's see here. Um...
1: And you could tell, obviously, we don't have money on this because I know people are saying, How come you're not picking Rory McElroy? Blue? How come you're not picking Justin Thomas? Well, I'll tell you why I'm not picking him because I don't like him. Same with me. I'm not going <laughs> sub- to root for uh, a guy, yeah. I'm not going to root for guys I don't like if I don't have money. <laughs> I mean, money changes everything. Um, I got sucked in with this. Uh, I, I, I want to say Max Homer so bad. Mm. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to go the other way. Despite the short game, he had a, let's see, a tied for ninth place finish here a year ago. I know who you're going to say. I'm going to take Victor Havins. Oh,
2: okay. I thought you were going to say Willie Z.
1: Willie Zalatoris. I don't know if he can putt well enough to win here. No.
2: Um, All right, uh, sleeper. Sleeper pick. All right, this guy actually has the same odds as Ricky. So I could have inserted him in as my last pick, but I made him my sleeper. Sung J.M. Love okay. the guy. A lot of people don't talk about this guy, but he's always in the top ten, man. Sun
1: J.M. I'm going to bounce back to what happened here a year ago, and it kind of went slightly unnoticed here locally despite his local ties. But I'm going to pick our buddy Russell Knox. Last year he was tied for sixth. Won a cool $675,000, Russell Knox, 71, 71, 68, 70. He didn't do anything that was spectacular. He also didn't do anything that would be considered very dangerous. So he played consistent golf. I will pick Russell Knox as my sleeper. So picks are in. JJ's going John Rahm overall one. I bounce back with Scheffler. Uh, J.J. goes with Tom Kim as his second selection. I'm going with Colin Morikawa. Ricky Fowler is pick number three for J.J. I'm going Victor Hovland. And then our sleeper is Sanjay M for J.J. And I will take out of Jacksonville University, Russell Knox. So there you go. Our picks in. Final thoughts tonight, JJ, on the eve of the tournament. What do you expect tomorrow?
2: I expect to wake up at 5 a.m. and be here and be prepared for players' updates all day. I'm excited, man. This is the first time I've been out with the uh, XL Primetime, the afternoon show, in my history of working here. So, yeah, it'll be fun to be out there.
1: All right, so... Give me your schedule because I know you're not going to be with me tomorrow night and Friday. So you're doing the morning show
2: there. I'll be running the board here, and then I'll be making my way to the players. Catch me out there probably around eleven a.m.
1: And then you're going to be out here with uh, with prime time
2: all day, just hanging out.
1: And then your show's over at three.
2: And then I'll be able to uh, enjoy myself. Then you'll be able. I mean, yes,
1: you'll be able to grab some beverages, so I can throw you back on here drunk at six (laughs) o'clock tomorrow night. Probably be the best radio show we've ever done. (laughs) All right. Well, have fun. That'll be a good day. I'll see you out here tomorrow. I'm yes, going to get absolutely. out here uh pretty early as well. I've been out here all day today. And um If you make it out tonight. You <laughs> might as well just stay, <laughs> Yeah, if all of a sudden you don't hear anything, you'll you'll know <laughs> why. But, uh hey, listen, it's been fantastic out here. The uh the, the PR people are great. It's just it's just so much fun to walk around this golf course and bump into people that you know I uh I've known for a very long time here in around the Jacksonville area. Do you
2: have any, like, um, tips for viewing, you know, as a patron?
1: Yes. I'm glad you said that. Uh, let me give you two spots that I think are really good, because everyone's going to go 17 of course. And, and around that area. But number three is great. The par three third on the hill. You can turn around and see the practice grounds. Yep. That's a sensational place. I also like if you go down the other side of the uh, practice grounds uh, around hole number four, to me that's really nice. that's a, that, that's a, that, that's a pretty good viewing spot. Um, you know, 12 is picking up a lot of traction. It, it's not my favorite, but I've listened to others who have said that that's a place that you probably should be able to uh, enjoy yourself out there. but you know the the, the mass is going to head for 17. There's no question, and, and there's plenty of room out there. Hey, folks, traffic is going to be difficult for you. Try to leave a little bit early and, uh, and be patient. They're doing the best they can out here. It's absolutely incredible here at the Players, and uh, we're honored to be here all week long. That's going to do it. JJ back in the studio. Richie here is our engineer. Thank you to the Boston Capper. Thank you to John Osher. My name is Rick Ballew. I don't check the text line if you want to get a hold of me. I don't check the text line now if the show is over. So if you want to get a hold of me, it's Blue1010XL on Twitter. Hackers up next, I'm Rick Blue. I'll talk with you during first-round coverage of the players tomorrow at 6 o'clock.